Good day, everybody. Welcome. My name is David Irvin, and I want to welcome you to this, uh, this week's podcast, Traveling Through This Disrupted World Authentically, what we call taking the road less traveled. Those of you who know me know that I am passionate about leadership, I'm passionate about helping support developing leaders, and I'm passionate about understanding the development process. How do leaders get to be who they are? What does it take to be a person that is called by people to be that they're a leader? I always say leadership is really in the eyes of the beholder. You can't really call yourself a leader. Others will tell you that you're a leader, but it really has to come from from other people. So what does that take? Where is that capacity to influence and make a difference and inspire others to achieve a shared vision come from? And so this has been my life's work now for probably nearly 40 years. And in my life's work, in this uh, work that I do, I, I meet some incredible leaders. And then every once in a while, I meet a leader who really, truly stands above the crowd. And today it is my good fortune to have a woman that I have tremendous respect for, Pat Bourne, who's the CEO of Equus here in Alberta. Now, Pat, thank you for joining us on this, uh, in this podcast and on your journey here. Well, thank you, David, for inviting me to participate. I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunity um, to share a little bit about what what my passion has been over the 28 years that I've worked um, with Equus and its predecessor, um, Kara. So, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And I have to tell you, I got to know you before you knew that I was getting to know you. Um, Because you had five of your tremendous leaders come to my Banff leadership retreat. And over the course of those four days, uh, they shared a great deal of what they were doing at Equus and what they had been learning at Equus and how they had developed their capacity to lead uh, in your culture. And I know that culture is so important. So you need to know that probably they influenced just in those four days alone they influence probably 20 other cultures indirectly through your and, and directly through your leadership. So I, I, you, you earned my respect long before I really got to know you very well. No, I appreciate that, David. Thank you. So Pat, I know, just, they, all, I know they all enjoyed going there. <laughs> well, they, they really con- they contributed so much. And I know that you can take a lot of the credit for uh, their leadership, although I know your humility, you would, uh, you always give credit to, to other people. But just tell us a little bit, Pat, about your, your, uh, yourself, your work at, uh, at Equus there. Tell us a little bit about Equus and what your passion is uh, as a leader there in Focus and Vision. Sure. Thanks, David. Um, Well, I've been there for 28 years, so it was a long journey. Um, I started out as the first employee of CARA a long, yeah, a long while ago. Um, We're a a real power uh, distribution, electric distribution cooperative, so we distribute electricity to a good part of rural Alberta. And uh, so starting out as the first employee with, a, with an incredibly dedicated board of directors who had a vision. And their vision was that we would take control of our own destiny. So until that point, um, 
as Kara, our our work generally, um, the billing and the operation and maintenance had been done um, by an investor-owned utility. And that was just by virtue of how things had developed in the late 1940s. So so we had a vision um, to take that back and start to operate our own system, do our own billing, our own construction, our own operation and maintenance. So, so that's, that's how it started. Um, I was there a, a few months um, and they asked if I would take on the manager's role at the time, the general manager's role. And well, at that point, you know, there's only me. That's pretty easy. Um, but we were very successful um, in those early years, setting out what was important um, for the vision to take uh, take control of what we was rightfully ours and our own destiny. And so within about five years, we had a, a new contract where we could operate, maintain our system. We could do our own billing and we hired about... Um, I think we were close to maybe 10 people initially. We had a pretty small area and and significantly less members. But I think it was from that. And I was, and I mean, I think where I got my original passion, I had a mentor, um, his name, um, who I, um, I mean, I'm heartfelt for who he was and what he stood for. He was the original secretary of, of the Bowdoin, um, really electrification association. His name was Ted Norman. And I think it was his passion that he had that, that I, I just I took that on because it was so amazing what these independent farmers really wanted to do. Um, so that's sort of where I got my original passion. It was like, we can do this. Uh, we're a cooperative. We care about the members. We want to be a part of the community. And so it just sort of grew from there. And we amalgamated, because um, we were originally an amalgamation of uh, five smaller rural electrification associations. And with that, we we just continued to grow and more REAs amalgamated with us. And then in 2013, we, we had a larger merger of... Uh, uh, South Alta REA and, and Central Alberta REA, which is when we became we became Equus. So, so I would say that you know the vision. The board has set a vision all the way along. Um, they've there's never been a time where I have felt that they didn't want to always grow and develop and and innovate and and do what they needed to do to support the the. Um, to support us and our growth. And so as we grew and developed, you know, and, and, and we got all of these employees, I took on a leadership role when frankly, before that I'd, I'd worked in government. Um, I was uh, a, a support staff. So um, had taken, uh, gone to um, business administrative school. So it was entirely different. And I've learned a lot over over these many years, that's for sure. D, I'm assuming you didn't really see yourself as a leader back in those days, the way no. that you are seeing yourself now. Uh, can you just talk about that? How I mean, how did you grow into seeing yourself as be as well? I actually have the capacity to do this because I I'm imagining at the time 
that you didn't see or have even the confidence at being able to do that? How would you describe that? Well, I think early on, David, it was not so much... I'm not sure that it was that I lacked the confidence of doing it is I frankly didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so because I, you know, it was, it was all by trial and error. And, um, and because we were busy growing and developing internally, I didn't have in those very early days an opportunity to, you know, to get, to get more involved in educational opportunities that would have helped me. I think if I could have done that earlier on, it would have, um, on a personal level, it certainly would have helped me. And it would have helped um, the employees that we had in those early days in my relationship with them because I was truly driven. Um, but you know what it was is so interesting is that the staff that came on became just as driven. Like, we're, I've always felt that Equus is like a family and um, and that sort of just continued all the way along. But yes, there were some hard lessons that I that I had to learn along the way and it, it really uh, I've always believed in lifelong learning. So certainly I I've taken I had taken courses all the way along where I could fit them where I could fit them in. But it wasn't until 2016, actually, where I said, okay, I was, I was just doing a bit of research and I saw a course on um, values-based leadership at Royal Roads University. And I was, that just stood out for me. And so that's sort of, I, I would say that was a huge big turning point for me when I, when I started to really focus on personally on values and do a lot of self-reflection. Um, I might have been an okay leader before. I mean, it used to be nobody was called a leader. It was all about managing. Well, I say you manage process and lead people. But back then, I didn't know any different. Um, but I sure do now. And we don't even use the word man. We don't even have it in our organization. Nobody's a manager. We're, we're all, it doesn't matter who you are, you're, you're leading somebody. Um, you don't have to be a formal leader to lead. Wow. So you have always had a passion to learn and a passion to contribute and a passion to, to make your organization better and to serve better, huh? Yes, yes. And sometimes to my own detriment when, <laughs> <laughs> when you know, you're, you're always focused on doing things better. But again, it goes back to that team of people and, and to a board who was committed to moving forward because clearly they set the direction. They're the ones that have that ultimate vision and and focus on strategic priorities. And then then I get to come in with with a team of individuals who can get behind that vision to move forward. So, yeah, early, early days, it was it was a vision. I would say it was one vision. Um, I was so much a part of that early board. They were very operational. And so we'd have meetings from like 7 p.m. at night till, you know, 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, and then as we grew, my role changed um, over time and boards changed over time. And um, but we've always just I've always been thankful that we've had a board who's committed to moving um, to not being satisfied with the status quo, I guess, and wanting to be relevant right into the future. So it's made my job easy in that way. Um, and just committed staff. Uh, they're, yeah, they're very all committed. Yeah, you have an amazing relationship with your board, which is unusual. And, and I know you give credit to your board, but I, I would 
love to hear either now or at some point, I would love to hear what you've done to, and maybe this evolves into sort of the next topic that I want to cover with you is what your leadership philosophy is. But what have you done to make that relationship so great with your board and, of course, with your staff? And I know that values is such an important uh, part of your philosophy and I know how value driven your organization is and how you you don't just put the values on the wall you really live them you have a process for holding each other accountable for those values and maybe you can just talk to me about uh, talk to us about your uh, leadership philosophy and where does authenticity fit into that philosophy which is you know a, such a core value for me and how is that uh, how do you help your organization live those values authentically you know, that's interesting when people talk about um, being authentic. I guess I don't know what it means to not be authentic hmm. because I don't know how to be. Um, I have a on, on the wall in my office for, for a long time. I've I've had a uh, I have a, a picture with a saying and it it says in in matters of in matters of style swim with the currents and in matters of principle stand like a rock mm -hmm. and so i think i have i have very strong principles um very strong values of right and wrong and of people being taken advantage of or not being valued for who they are so i would say sometimes again to my detriment because you know some people will say you're a good salesperson well i'm not a good salesperson um i have to believe in something before i can get behind it and be enthusiastic and passionate about it so it's really for me it's more about that um believing in what you're doing and then the authenticity of that it, for me just is comes into play um and the values that equus has and are which have been developed by the staff and which have been and not just developed by the staff but have had real input by the staff by looking at what is our culture what culture do the staff want to have what are we missing because we're not perfect and of course no and if you're yeah we're always looking to be better um and I think that being better is if our staff feel valued, they're going to work harder. They're going to be far more engaged with the members. And that only makes uh, people want to become a member and a part of what Equus does. So I would say that those are, you know, that, that sort of values um, is just really important. One of um, another, this is interesting too, is, you know, what, one of my own personal values is, is making a difference. And I know, I believe it was Jane uh, Goodall that said, you know, what you do makes a difference and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. And, and I think for me, it's about making a positive. So when you talk about purpose or philosophy of leadership, it's really about making a difference in other people's lives. And that's sort of, you know, and empowering people to um, to want to always challenge themselves to do better or to be authentic or, yeah. 
Well, you know, before we get into your story about where you developed and how you developed that philosophy, I really would like you, during this time, uh, this COVID lockdown, I would really, because your work, you're, you know, you continue to get power to rural Alberta. And so yeah. you, you have not had, uh, you know, you don't, you know, this is an essential service. And I, I would like you to just speak, if you wouldn't mind, Pat, about what you've been doing to stay connected to your staff right now and how you help them feel valued and living this value of uh, the importance of people. Can you just speak sure. to what you've been doing as a, as a company and as a leader about that? Yes. Well, I just want to say, first of all, we have an amazing um, executive leadership team and a senior leadership team who are 100% focused on making sure that our staff are kept safe and healthy throughout this process and that we are doing what we need to do to help them. So whether that's reminding them about the social distancing or, or whether it's, you know, bringing back you know making how are you washing your hands it may seem that those things aren't important but really those are what is going to keep them keep them safe and healthy so it this is really quite incredible within 48 hours of basically being told um, by the government that you know we're going to have to make some changes to make sure that we're doing our part for COVID-19 we had all of the staff, almost all of our staff, administrative staff were set up and able to work from home. We had a few um, sort of key staff that alternated within the office because those are the folks that are on the direct line with the responding to the members' requests and concerns. And then our field staff out in the office, out in the field. And we, we have them even staggered when they start driving in different trucks, um, maintaining that social distance. But as a, as a team, a leadership team, we came together and we talked about, okay, what are the things that we need to do? And one of, um, so one of the things that we decided to do, um, based on, uh, uh, a suggestion by one of our team was, you know, what about if um, our executive team, and there's five of us, what about if we call each of our staff members, you know, every two or three weeks, we we take 20. So there's, there's staff are always being called every two to three weeks by someone. And so I've also been involved in that. And it's uh, actually, for me, it's great because the staff, I don't get enough chance to talk to the staff. So I, I enjoy that opportunity. Um, but you get some really good little nuggets out of that. How are folks, it's not about what is happening in the business. It's just focused on how are they doing. You know, how are they getting through this? Some of them have their kids at home, right? Some of them, their husbands aren't working or their or their spouses aren't working. Um, you know, so it's really helping keep them, um, keep their mental health in a, in a, in a good space and, and just recognizing if some, someone is having some challenges and talking them through that. And so, yeah, so that's one of the things that, that we've done and, um, yeah, I, I'm amazed actually how how we're able to continue to work and and we really haven't missed a missed a beat. Well, you know, I just don't want to let this go unacknowledged. But you know, rightfully, our healthcare workers have been appreciated in our society right now. 
but there's also a whole group of professionals who are working behind the scenes to get our power, our internet, our water, our gas, uh, managing our sewage. And uh, I just do want to do a shout out while we're here to just express appreciation to all your team and on all of your staff for the incredible work that they do and frankly don't get thanked much by our by our society. Uh, you know, you're the, you're, you do the kind of work that you don't really get noticed unless it doesn't work. And so, uh, you know, it just there's a lot of hardworking hours, dedicated uh, staff that I have met and uh, that it's just incredible. And you have really established a phenomenal culture. Just the fact that you would reach out to, to, you know, 20 of them at a time and that the executive team meets that, makes that kind of connection with them is uh, really incredible. Well, and, and just as a follow-up to that, David, generally my role, um, I'm, I'm, I've had to become far more externally focused as we've grown. But frankly, where my heart lies is within our organization and the people that work there. So, um, so for me, it's actually um, a treat to be able to spend that time talking to them. Well, that is a good segue into my next question that we'll do in this last part of the uh, of this conversation, Pat, and that is, what is your story that got you here? Because your incredible leadership just doesn't happen by chance. What were some of those defining moments? What were some of the times where you had to face what we call this darker side of our nature that took you down into helping you really become what I call real? Uh, because you are grassroots real and this is why people put their trust in you because you don't I, I find it fascinating how you describe that you can't not be authentic and it, authenticity isn't a program to you it's not a it's not a leadership technique it's just who you are and so how how would you articulate what it took to get here oh um you know, it's just not something that I, I particularly think about all the time. I I would say a, a, a husband who is always supportive and a family who is supportive, um, which has allowed me to do what I do. I have um, four children and 12 grandchildren, so we've got a big family, but they've always been so, so supportive. And so I couldn't have done what I've done today, I don't think, without my family. Uh, I also don't feel that I could have done what I've done without a supportive board or supportive staff. How, how did I get here? I, well, I think I'm always open to learning. Um, hard work and, and dedication has is just sort of I, like I would always say to my kids, look, nothing good in life comes without hard work. Because if you get something easy, it goes just as quick as it came. So I, I guess I've lived that I guess I've lived that myself. I and just learning, as I said, as I've went, I'm I was, you know, I'm still far from perfect, but I I and I still continue to grow every day and be, you know, and try to be a better leader. Um, and I used to, you know, in the early days, because my nature, it, it wasn't my first, um, because I'm very direct and I wasn't as concerned about the people 
in the very beginning, I didn't even realize I wasn't good. And I wouldn't, I just didn't, I didn't think about the people. We were all kind of in it together. But as I realized as time went on, you know, it's, this is really about the people. And, and why do the people want to work with Equus? Why do the people want to be here? What is it about being here that makes it a good place to work for them? In some of the early days, people would have said it wasn't the best place to work. But I believe now that that while I've seen our our sur- employee surveys where, you know, the majority of our staff would recommend Equus to any of their family or friends. So that says that, you know, we're doing something right. Um, but, yeah, I've had to face a lot of those kind of moments of remembering that, you know, this is about the people. And so I've gained and learned that. As I've went, I think. It didn't necessarily come naturally for you. No, if people would have, no, I was just, I was really focused and driven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, people needed to be a part of that because, you know, it is all about the, the, the staff that you have working for you. But I don't think I really thought about their feelings in the early days. But then, I don't know, I, again, I, I, it's just like one day you wake up and you're just like, you know, um, how people feel is really important. It's a tough one, though, in your role, because you have this responsibility on your shoulder to build the business, to make it profitable, right. to yes. serve your members. But at the same time, you have to have this, you have this rare capability of also being connected to people. And uh, that is not a small accomplishment. Were there any defining moments or experiences that you had in your life that helped awaken you to, to, to understanding how to build that balance between the business and the people? Well, I'd like to think I, I, I learned it sort of through trial and error initially. But again, I go back to, um, I've, like, I've always, like, I like people. Um, not that I don't care about the people in those early days. It wasn't about that. Um, so it's just more about, you know, taking the time to understand that, you know, to be a leader is much different than being a manager. And bringing the people in and allowing them to be more involved in making the decisions about what happens and growing and developing them. And then, and it was when I took that values-based leadership program, um, who, you know, my professor there, I just, you know, she's just, uh, still working with her as I complete my master's, but, um, she, she was just amazing. And I, I opened up and you, I really had to go deep into who I was. And I had to really self-reflect. And so I would say that was really the, you know, that point in time where I had, I, I really started to more understand myself. And by understanding myself, I was able to understand how I influenced people. And that has been done intentionally as a leader. This really, this is really valuable for me to hear this. And I know it will be valuable for our listeners that you can't 
uh, just ignore the, f- of, of the, f- the fact that we have to be self-aware. You can't just ignore that. And we no. have to really invest in our own development and understanding our own blind spots, our own areas where we, you know, uh, inadvertently can be less than sensitive that we and, and just to, to understand the, the the totality of who we are as a human being and you have made it uh, your life's journey to to embark on that what I call the authentic journey thank you David you know as as you say that it, what really comes to mind for me is my is is that the I enjoy to coach individuals. Like I, I really, I really like to help them grow and develop as well to, to be different. And, you know, sometimes that can be really challenging because, um, because sometimes egos get in the way of that. Right. Um, you know, you've got, you know, could be self-esteem that, you know, is impacting that you're, you know, you're not feeling confident in, in your decisions or your, your ability to make decisions. You may not be, you know, feeling that you can speak up or be assertive enough. And so it's all of those things kind of tied into one that I think I've been able to focus more on is just really what's important to the other person, how, uh, how they are being impacted Every day, whether it's by by me, whether it's by a coworker, whether it's by a, a their their direct leader, all of those things have an impact on how they view their life at work. And we all know how much time we spend at work. So having that positivity in in your life is uh, helps you want to get up every day and go to work and 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 be happy that that's a part of your life. Someday, one other thing I do say to people, if you only go around once, so it's really important that you enjoy where you work. And just because some people come and go, it doesn't, they they may not, the culture might not be what they're looking for, and that's okay. But it, it's really about doing what is, is going to make you happy and because it's, you know, one shot deal. How do you help when, how, do, how can I ask this? How do you um, ins- how have you inspired people so much to, that they want to work there? I'm imagining there's a lineup of people that want to come and work in your company, and people there are so satisfied and just so enjoy their work there. It, you are you intentional around helping them with their own personal values and how their own personal values align with the company values? Yes, that's what we've been working on now for the last three years. Um, we're in, in year three of, of really, again, looking at what what is our current culture, what might be missing, how do we align those, those personal values of individuals with the company values. So because by doing that, you know, you, you, you know, in my opinion, you, you have more engaged employees. If they can bring their whole self to work, they're going to be more engaged. Um, so we really do focus on that. It's uh, it's quite incredible how our staff have grown and developed. And we have a cultural ambassador team at Equus. We've got 12 individuals on that team that their focus is really um, how are we living those values within the organization? How do we help other individuals see that? And they're that positive influence across the organization. 
Well, that's incredible. And I, I could I could talk to you about leadership all day. And uh, I know that our time is kind of winding down here. Is there any any advice? I know you are an amazing coach that you have coached your own leaders along their the long in their journey and have developed leaders so uh, meticulously and so intentionally. Is there any advice that you would give to uh, leaders today, to people who want to lead and be more authentic in their leadership? Any advice that you could pass on in conclusion here for our listeners? I, I would say be vulnerable. Um, don't be afraid to be vulnerable and and let you know, people that you're leading or others know that, you know, you're, you're a person too and you have feelings and um, you're just like them and not be above them. You know, in a, in a values-driven organization, it's it, that hierarchy. Well, well, you always have to have some hierarchy. It's more about a flattened organization. So, so I would suggest, you know, be, be authentic, be, be real for your team, not think you're, you're any better than, than any other individual because it's, you know, I know it's a cliche, but there's no I in team. Um, we all have to be um, working together and, and looking to impact, looking at what our impact is. So um, if we want a positive impact, then, you know, go forward with that and I think that's about it. You know, being yourself is it's that simple and it's that complex. Um, so <laughs> right. you you've really illustrated that beautifully today. Thank you for your presence here today and for inspiring me and your continued work. And I know I always say authenticity is a lot like beauty. It's really hard to articulate uh, what's beautiful in the world, but you just know it when you see it and experience it. And you. You certainly have, uh, we've experienced that from you today, Pat. Well, thank you, David. I, I'm very appreciative and grateful for your comments. Thank you. Keep up your great leadership and your great work and um, take all my best to your team there, okay? Thank you. I will. Thank you so much for joining us once again for another episode of The Other Everest. It's our mission to continue to bring you engaging, heartwarming, and inspiring content. So if you have any feedback or suggestions, please feel free to visit davidirvin.com at any time, as we would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate it or subscribe or simply share the episodes with people you know who would also enjoy this conversation. Authentic leaders create ripples in time. Those ripples extend to generations yet unborn. And it's not just impact in the here and now, but impact in here and forever. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of this journey with us. Until we meet again.